Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of John. Hello and happy Tuesday, friends and faithful listeners. We're going to be discussing more about the Passover today. We're going to be getting into Jesus's death and resurrection in the book of John, which is funny because I feel like every single year I always miss Easter by like a couple weeks <laughs> with the Gospels. It actually would have been super cool if I could have, you know, done it at the same time. But it didn't work out that way. Regardless, let's go ahead and read John chapter 12 today. And also, I hope you guys did have a really great Easter. Let me know what you all did. You can find my contact information in the description of this podcast episode. But all right, let's go ahead and get into this portion of scripture today. Let's read John chapter 12 verses 12 through 12 through 36 today. <laughs> I clearly don't know where I'm at going to be talking about the Greeks trying to visit Jesus. So let's see why Jesus did not have an audience with them. I will be reading at the W.E.B. version of the Bible this morning. Please feel free to grab the version you prefer. And let's enjoy this together with a cup of coffee this morning. On the next day, a great multitude had come to the feast. When they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took the branches of the palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus, having found a young donkey, sat on it. As it is written, don't be afraid, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king comes sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. The multitude, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead was testifying about it. For this cause, also the multitude went and met him because they heard that he had done this sign. Pharisees said among themselves, see how you accomplish nothing. Behold, the world has gone after him. Now there were certain Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. These therefore came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew came with Philip, and they told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Most certainly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. Where I am, there my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this time. But I came to this time for this cause. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of the sky saying, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. Therefore, the multitude who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, This voice hasn't come for my sake, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of the world. Now the prince of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. But he said this, signifying by what kind of death he should die. The multitude answered him, We have heard out of the law that the Christ remains forever. How do you say the Son of Man will be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? Jesus therefore said to them, Yet a little while the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, that darkness doesn't overtake you. 
He who walks in the darkness doesn't know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become children of light. Jesus said these things, and he departed and hid himself from them. So what we're talking about today is what we consider nowadays to be Palm Sunday. Jesus rode down into the city on the back of a donkey's colt, which was prophesied about in Isaiah, I believe it was. Or I'm sorry, it was Zechariah, actually. Zechariah 9, 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king comes to you. Um, he is righteous, having salvation lowly and riding on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So that is uh, the prophecy of Jesus coming into the city, riding on the back of a donkey, because kings didn't ride on donkeys. <laughs> in fact, even nowadays, when you think of a king, you think of him on like some sort of stately animal, like a uh, horse at the very least, or like on a really fancy elephant or something like that. You don't think of a donkey, though. But Jesus was humble. A donkey was a work animal. And it was prophesied about. So that is why Jesus sat on the back of the donkey to go down into Jerusalem. I like verse 16. His disciples didn't understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. So John's giving a little foresight into the future with that verse saying that the disciples didn't understand any of this at this point in time. Didn't get it, didn't realize that all of this was prophecy coming true, and certainly didn't understand what was about to happen to Jesus until after he was glorified. That term glorified means Jesus being risen from the dead. So one of the reasons Jesus was so popular at this time and why they were waving their palm branches back and forth was because Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. That's what it says in uh, verse 17. The multitude that saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the grave went and like testified about it to everybody. And so all the people were, were like, yes, we need Jesus as our king. He can do these great miracles. Who else can raise people from the dead? We need Jesus to be our king and he will help us overtake Rome. And that's exactly the reason. Here's what verse 18 says. For this cause, in other words, raising Lazarus from the dead, also the multitude went and met him because they heard that he had done this sign. So they were just flabbergasted over the sign that Jesus has done, and they're about to crown him as their king. The Pharisees are freaking out. They're saying among themselves, we have accomplished absolutely nothing here. Look at how the people are like fawning over Jesus. We've accomplished absolutely nothing here. So the Pharisees are not too happy, and I'm going to guess that they're even more determined at this point to find a way to kill Jesus so that they can... uh, get all the fame and glory for themselves. But what I really want to focus on today is actually verses 20 through 36, where the Greeks come and try to have an audience with Jesus, and he does not actually have an audience with them. I'd like to talk about that because I have gone into Palm Sunday quite a lot on the podcast, just because it is mentioned in every single gospel. And John honestly has the least amount to say about it, in my opinion, than the other gospels do. So let's go ahead and start focusing on verses 20 through 36. So it says, There were some certain Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. So we know from history and actually from the Bible also that the Greeks were very curious people. 
they really liked to talk and to talk about a whole bunch of different subjects and they were very educated or at least they believed they were. So we don't actually know who these Greek people were, whether they were Jewish converts or if they just came down to observe and celebrate the feast and kind of learn more about Judaism because that's very likely also that the Greeks would have would have done something like that because they were very fascinated with religion and uh, anything new and interesting. So there were some Greeks that went to worship at the feast. So they went to Jerusalem. And so they came to Philip and they were like, hey, we want to see your master. We want to see Jesus, the rabbi. So Philip went and told Andrew. And then they both together went to tell Jesus, hey, there's some Greek people that want to meet you. So Jesus, here's what it says. Jesus said, the time has come for the son of man to be glorified. Most certainly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So this is a pretty funny response, isn't it? To uh, to some Greek people wanting to meet Jesus. <laughs> Jesus like gives this parable instead of actually meeting with the Greek people. What's really fascinating about this is the fact that for some reason, this was the moment those Greek people wanting to meet Jesus That was the moment when Jesus was like, my time has come. It was once the Greeks came to see Jesus, that was when he said, my time has come. Because if you notice all throughout the Gospels, Jesus keeps saying, my time has not yet come. My time has not yet come. My time has not yet come. He keeps repeating that. And now all of a sudden, after this moment happens with the Greeks, he says, the time has come. So something about the Greek people wanting to meet Jesus triggered the start of Jesus saying that his time has come. Then he goes into this parable about the grain of wheat that falls into the earth and dies. It remains by itself alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Obviously, Jesus is talking about himself. He's saying, it is time for me to die. But my death will be a good thing is basically what he says, because, for example, wheat, you know, when when the wheat is just on the stalk, that's all it is. But when it falls down to the earth, the seeds get down into the ground and then produce a whole lot more wheat. And that's kind of like a picture of what Jesus is about to do. He is going to die and gather all these people to himself. Right. He's going to die and fulfill what he came to to do. In the end, his death is going to be a good thing. It says here, he who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. That's actually a pretty famous verse that I've heard quite a lot. But I want to direct your guys' attention to Ephesians 5 verse 29. It says, for no one ever hated his own body, but instead he nourishes and protects and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. So scripture actually teaches that no one really hates themselves. I know that's a very popular ideology nowadays where people are like, oh, that person just has so much hatred for themselves. That person over there, you know, lashes out because they hate themselves. That's something that I remember hearing when I was in school, when I was in uh, high school. People would be like, bullies are just insecure. Bullies actually have self-hatred. So you need to, you know, respect the bully in a sense. I always thought that that was really silly. 
because as somebody who was bullied in high school, I didn't want to respect my bullies. <laughs> but um, scripture teaches that people do not hate themselves like at all. And you guys might argue with me. You might say, well, Jen, you know, there are people out there that commit suicide or cut themselves or hurt themselves or do drugs or any other kind of self-destructive behavior. That kind of behavior proves that they they really do hate themselves. And I would argue that I don't believe that that's true. I do believe that cutting or damaging oneself or even drugs, suicide, all of those things, in a sense, are the person not hating themselves because when they do those those self-destructive behaviors, they are doing it to, first and foremost, numb the pain. Secondly, to cry out for help because they recognize and want help. And thirdly, a lot of times it is for attention. It's attention-seeking because they need that kind of social interaction that they are just not getting. So even damaging behaviors like that are actually just very misguided forms of self-love. That's what I would argue. You guys may very much disagree with me, and that's totally fine. But regardless, the scriptures teach that people in general just have a very inflated sense of ego. Pride is the number one sin. Like, it's everything kind of stems back to pride. Like, when you have a sin, it's usually pride-related. For example, the Pharisees had so much pride. They were so prideful of their own knowledge and their own uh, positions of authority that they refused to see that Jesus was the Messiah, tried to kill and successfully did kill Jesus and taught other people as well that Jesus was not the Messiah, all because of pride. So Jesus says, he who loves his life will lose it, which is very true. Narcissistic behavior is truly, in my opinion, extremely detrimental. It is so bad for people. When people fall into narcissism, which I have before, I, I've gone in and out of narcissism. <laughs> I'll be honest with you guys. But when I feel very narcissistic, that's when I'm the most miserable. And I know that because I was there. I was a very different person. I was a very selfish person prior to 2019. I really only thought <clears throat> about myself most of the time. I was married. I expected my husband to fulfill all of my needs. I expected the church to fulfill my needs. I expected my job to fulfill my needs. I never really gave. I never really served much. And uh, I thought those things were just stupid. Never did it. And I was miserable. <laughs> I was miserable all the time because I was only ever thinking about myself. And it wasn't until I learned true servanthood and all of a sudden I was just happy. <laughs> I was happy and I was okay with serving even though I did not have very much time because it was so fulfilling. That is what we are created to do. We are created to serve other people because we are created in the image of God and God is a servant. Jesus is a servant. He came down to earth to be a servant. And since we were created in Jesus's image, God's image, certainly we are most fulfilled when we are also serving. So Jesus says, basically, anybody who loves his life, anybody who is a narcissist and is only thinking about oneself all the time, 
you're going to lose your life in the end. You're not going to have much of a life because you're only going to be focused on yourself and your own needs. You're not really going to be fulfilled at all. But he who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. In a weird way, it's almost like an oxymoron. You love yourself, so you hate yourself. (laughs) Because you realize that your life here on earth is not really what matters. What matters is your life beyond this earth. And because you want eternal life, because you love life, you're not going to think so much about yourself here on earth. In a way, it's, it's the most self-love you can possibly have by humbling yourself here on earth and gaining eternal life. Humbling yourself to recognize your need for a savior, taking up your cross, as Jesus said, a very difficult thing to do. Taking up your cross and following Jesus is a form of humility and it's hard, but it's like the best form of self-love you can have because you gain eternal life, not just earthly life, not just the life you have now, but eternal life, life that does not end. And not only life that does not end, but life that is fulfilling, satisfying, painless. I mean, that's what everybody wants. So if you choose to take up your cross now here on earth, if you choose humility and servanthood the way Jesus did, And if you recognize your need for a savior, instead of always just thinking about yourself and your own needs and what you want, you're going to gain eternal life. And to go on a bit of a rabbit trail, I believe this is also why Jesus says that it's hardest for the rich to enter into God's kingdom. The rich have their needs fulfilled. The rich are often thinking about themselves, how they can gain more wealth, how they can have more prosperity here on earth, how they can acquire more. A lot of times it's it's rooted in narcissism, not always. I mean, God does give wealth, so don't get me wrong. But I do think that's why Jesus says it is hardest for those who are rich here on earth to gain salvation. Because in order to gain salvation, they might have to give up some of the things that they love. They might have to give up their trust in money or their greed, or something along those lines, so that they can follow Jesus more effectively. So Jesus goes on to say, Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this time. But I came to this time for this cause. Father, glorify your name. So Jesus is beginning to have an internal struggle. He's struggling because his time has come and he knows he's about to die. And he's going to die very soon. It might be the next day, might be two days after this, but he's going to die very quickly. He's struggling. He's having this internal struggle. But what Jesus is saying here is, I am not going to ask my father to save me from this time because Jesus came to earth for this particular time for this cause. So he says at the end, Father, glorify your name. Then the voice came out of the sky saying, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. Then all of a sudden, the multitudes who were there, probably including the the Greek people, heard it. And a lot of them said it thundered. And other people said an angel has spoken to him. So depending 
on the heart of the individual, they heard different things here. Some of them heard thunder. Some of them heard words. But they didn't quite understand that it was the father that said this to Jesus. They thought it was an angel. And so (laughs) Jesus told the, the multitude, this voice hasn't come for my sake, but for your sakes. So what about the Greek people here? (laughs) They're probably just like, what is going on? Like, I thought we were going to meet Jesus. (laughs) And if I'm being 100% honest, I don't really know why Jesus didn't have an audience with the Greeks. I looked this question up and not a lot of people have a good response to it. The best one I found is that it was not Jesus's time to minister to the Gentiles that was going to come after Jesus rose again. But I mean, I don't know. That could be it. But Jesus did minister to some Gentile regions. So I'm not quite sure if that is the answer or not. Perhaps these Greek people would spread the message of Jesus so much to the Greek nations that Jesus would be delayed in the mission he came down to do. And that's why Jesus didn't meet with the Greeks. I don't know. I mean, Whatever it was, there was a reason Jesus did not have a private audience with the Greeks. But regardless, I'm sure the Greeks heard this voice. I'm sure they heard Jesus's words here and that they are blessed just from that. So Jesus goes on to say, now, now is the judgment of this world. Now the prince of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. But he said this, signifying by what kind of death he should die. The multitude answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ remains forever. How do you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? So the the crowds were confused because of passages like Isaiah 9, verse 7, where it says that uh, the Messiah, his, uh, his throne will be never ending. So the people are confused. They're saying, like, what do you mean that the Christ is going to be lifted up? In other words, dying. What do you mean? Because we've heard that the Christ is going to live forever. So basically, they're super confused. They're not quite sure what Jesus is saying, but they do know that he is saying that he is going to die. And this is very confusing to them because of all the passages that they've heard in the Old Testament prophesying that the Christ would be forever. Now, of course, Jesus is forever. (laughs) After he died, he was raised again on the third day. But the people didn't understand this yet. The people didn't get it. So Jesus doesn't directly answer their questions. And Jesus says, therefore, to them, yet a little while the light is with you. Walk while you have the light that the darkness doesn't overtake you. He who walks in the darkness doesn't know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become children of the light. You guys might remember Jesus saying almost the exact same thing to his disciples only the chapter before. And he's repeating it here, not directly answering the questions of the people, but repeating this phrase, walk in the light. I think he's challenging the people to trust in him. We know that a lot of the people didn't end up trusting in Jesus after he ended up dying. A lot of people fell away. A lot of people, uh, you know, deserted him while he was on the cross. I think Jesus is challenging them. Walk in the light. Do not walk in the darkness. Just keep your eyes on the light. 
so that you won't stumble when I die in a few days. So Jesus said these things and then he departed and hid himself from them. So I think Jesus went to go pray. I think he was very distressed about what he had to do. We know that he was based upon his struggle in the garden. He was very distressed. And so he needed time alone with the father. He He needed time alone to think and to pray before his last supper. Well, faithful listeners, um, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We talked about a lot of a lot of different things, and it was kind of long. I noticed my episodes are slightly getting longer and longer. <laughs> I try to keep them around 20 minutes, but um, I always feel weird when I like don't hit the 20-minute mark anymore, which is funny because I don't really want to go above 20 minutes. But anyway, I hope you join me tomorrow for an episode out of Deuteronomy. But until then, go over to the Facebook page and enter the giveaway because it will be ending soon. I want you guys to enter it because you can win a free bumper sticker and a handwritten note from myself. I'm going to be choosing five people and literally all you have to do is go over to Facebook and answer the question I ask you. That's literally it. So go do that. It's linked in the description of this podcast. Faithful listeners, I'll see you tomorrow. Happy listening and God bless.